we always have to earn the right to be heard. And so in entering into these friendships, of course, like I want to see the soul in front of me with their own story, with their own interests. And it first and foremost is meeting them where they're at. And I think that is where the love and care comes in of knowing, okay, what do they actually need right now? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Open Door Policy. We're so glad um, that you've joined us to listen in for this episode. We've got a great guest today. I'm your host, Emily Mentok, and I'm excited to be joined by my co-host. Father Patrick Gagno. Hello, Emily. How are you? I'm doing well, Father Patrick. How are you doing? What's new and exciting in your life? Well, uh, the, the Lenten journey is, uh, I was thinking about it, you know, and it, it, not to sound like a Debbie Downer, but um, the Lenten journey seems like it's, it really does recenter the heart and the mind uh, on like how to live, how to live in general that like, you know, I, the idea of penance being, um, you know, I like to think of repent to have a change of mind. And so prayer, fasting, almsgiving, the various things that we do to be more disciplined, to allow our, our minds to be the mind of Christ and respond to the love of Jesus. And I feel like Lent is a time where you particularly keep lifting your eyes to the crucifix and remember the cost he paid. And he wants to give us the grace to, to pay the cost, to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. So it's Lent is so life-giving. That's what I'm finding. That's it. I've been thinking about yeah. it, writing about it a little bit. And uh, yeah, Lent, Lent is life-giving. What's up with you, Emily? What are you well, thinking these days? I love that explanation. I actually just read an article this morning. It caught my attention. It was from Forbes, you know, like Forbes mm. publication mm-hmm. about um, like, oh, you know, why, like why you, why Lent is good for you, even if you're mm-hmm. not a Christian, not a Catholic, yeah. of course. Like, and they, they were basically saying like, oh, Lent is just you know, a really great opportunity for self-improvement here are, it's like a 30 day challenge or like making a resolution. And this article was sort of making the case. And then there, the, 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 that was the intro. And then the substance was like, here are five suggestions for self-improvement. If you want to give something up for Lent, like a 40 day challenge. And then it was like sugar screen time, like all these things. Sure. And, and um, on the one hand, and, and I have a particular interest in some of these things, sort of like those, you know, how do we, how do we bring Catholic things like out into the world and, and not like mm-hmm. diminish them, but, you know, help people start to understand them or by meeting people where they're at. And maybe that Forbes audience is really always thinking about self-improvement. So introducing them to Lent, mm-hmm. like there's some good in that too, but I was reading it and I, I, um, I had first been very excited about the headline. And then as I read it and realized, you know, it is, it, it's a misunderstanding of Lent. I would mm. say to think of it as a period of self-improvement. It's not about improving ourselves for the sake mm-hmm. of improving ourselves. It's about, and like you said, like turning our hearts back to the Lord and having the opportunity through these 40 days, but it's about mm-hmm. improving our relationship with God not yeah. about improving ourselves. It's not self-improvement. Yeah. And so, um, I totally love yes. that, that you just gave me the exact uh, antidote geez. to that article that I was reading, uh, this morning, um, with your explanation of the Lenten journey, father Patrick. Oh, you were already on it. I thank you, Jesus, that, but it's neat, this conversation, Emily and I don't practice the spontaneous stuff. Uh, we don't, maybe we well, should. <laughs> I confess one time I was like, you need to tell us about Rome, but, uh, but the, yeah, the, the relational journey, the relational journey of Lent, that like we do this in relationship with, with you, Lord, that is awesome. And I am excited, Emily, that our guest today um, is a real Picasso, legitimately. That's right. <laughs> She's but, a real uh, one, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't wait to do that. But really, it's, it's, the whole idea of relational journey with God and how we often need others to walk with us on that relational journey. 
And uh, that's going to be part of some of her story that she shares. So excited to have this awesome guest. And I'm going to alley it to you for the introduction, Emily. Yes, today we are excited to be joined by Anna Picasso. She serves currently as a campus missionary with Focus, so the Fellowship of Catholic University Students um, serving uh, through Detroit Catholic Campus Ministry, including at Wayne State. Um, And some three fun facts about Anna before we bring her on. Um, She has stayed in Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati's summer home. She didn't even really know who he was or like where she was even staying at the time, like the significance of that. But like, she's literally stayed uh, in the summer home of someone who is very likely going to be a saint soon. Uh, Mm. We also, or she also, um, her favorite place in Detroit is the Detroit Institute of Arts. Um, Other than of course, Our Lady of the Rosary, where um, Mm -hmm. they kind of operate the beautiful campus, um, campus ministry work that they do there. And super fun fact, she's a black belt in Taekwondo. So total badass. We're super excited to be joined today by Anna Picasso. Welcome, Anna. It's so great to be here. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Father Patrick, for that great intro. I'm very excited to be here with you both. We're thrilled to have you. Well, tell us, give us, give us some of the backdrop of, you know, where you grew up and how you came to know Jesus, the, the, the early formative years. So I'm originally from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, about 13 hours away from Detroit. It's pretty wild how I got here, but I grew up with some great Catholic parents. So born and raised Catholic, went to Catholic grade school, high school, and then even college. And throughout that time, there's obviously very uh, many ebbs and flows of a young Catholic's life. But by the time I was in in high school, I had already started to lose my faith, despite Mm. being around so many other Catholics, despite being in formation. um, There's just things in my life that led me to fall away and have it more be of a practice of obligation to my parents. And so that continued on all the way up until college. When I was searching for college, there is a deep desire in me to go to this big public university in a big city and to really mm. establish a difference in my upbringing and then into my collegiate career. But the Lord <laughs> had other plans even back then because the only school I could afford at the time was this tiny Catholic college called the University of Mary in yeah. Bismarck, Dakota. <laughs> I've been there. It's awesome. It's so beautiful there. Yeah. Um, There's this amazing man named Monsignor James Shea, and he is such a beautiful visionary for what a college experience should be. And so he founded this school um, and I attended it, just really didn't want to be there for two years, essentially, Um, really resented just having to be in a similar environment that I was in all throughout my life. Um, And so quickly, like many, I fell into just the reality of being a college student. I became very preoccupied with my classes, with just doing things very much out of a place of pleasure, out of a place of not really knowing what else there was. And so I fell into some bad relationships that really left me very broken and confused. Um, There was still a desire to love that even then when it wasn't rooted within my relationship with Christ, there was a desire to be loved and to love. And it wasn't fully being fulfilled in these relationships, fell into college culture, um, yeah, all different kinds of things. And Mm -hmm. eventually came to a point my sophomore year where I just wanted to get out of there. I 
basically looked and knew that there was a Rome program for a whole semester. And I thought, great, this is it. I will go and study abroad, eat some pasta, like maybe meet <laughs> nice. a few Italian boy. And then when I'll come back, I'll just transfer out of you, Mary. That was my plan. Wow. And the beautiful, ironic thing about that is that that Rome program is built and founded around prayer, community, and service. Awesome. And so you go and experience not only the beauty of Rome, but you are there to experience Catholicism mm. and in such a real way where you are literally walking with the saints, where you are in St. Peter's Basilica at the same time studying theology, scripture. Um, we had classes such as uh, art history, conversational Italian. Art history in Rome, amazing. <laughs> oh, incredible. <laughs> so amazing um, a class called search for happiness where we dove into what actually makes a person happy and wow throughout all of this I was walking and living with eating meals all these things with very intentional community wow. of other college students and when I went I figured that I was the only one who is searching or asking any questions. I looked at these people and I thought, I have nothing in common with them. They all are devout Catholics. They could never mm -hmm. like meet me where I was at. But I lived with this other woman, two other beautiful women, their names, Anna and Jesse. And I remember one of the, the beginning of my conversion, I saw Jesse go to the chapel every single night. We would have really long days, but she would go to the chapel and she would say, I'm gonna go say goodnight to my boyfriend. And I thought that was really weird. <laughs> I thought that was so strange, um, but I saw the way that she was so intentional about prayer wow. in a way that I had never seen before. And so that was the first poll. There's many little moments within this story. Um, so after that point, I started having more intentional conversations about the faith with her and with many wow. of my other classmates and soon realized that they actually didn't have it all together, that uh, they actually didn't know all of these deep fundamental truths of the church <laughs> inside and out like I thought they had. Um, and so it was really through community, first and foremost, that I began to encounter the Lord. Then through daily prayer, um, through opportunity for mass and adoration, which was built in as part of our program. Wow. I started to have a very sacramental conversion. I remember I was sitting at this table with a seminarian and telling him all about these things that were going on in my friendships back home. And he looked at me and he said, I think you have a heart like Mary's. And that struck me to my core because wow. I was confronted with the reality and just was thinking, if only you knew, you would never say that. Wow. Like my heart is so is the it's the opposite <laughs> of Mary's but that led me to go and ask for confession from one of our chaplains and I remember pacing back and forth throughout <laughs> right before knowing that this was a pivotal moment I knew that if this went well mm. if it went well <laughs> I would remain in the faith but if wow. it didn't this was a turning point. And so mm. I walked in, laid it all out. It was the first time I had gone to confession in about 10 years. Mm. And the priest just looked at me and this, the spiritual father is a, a dear friend of mine now, but he just looked at me and said, the heavens are rejoicing because the one who is lost is now found. Wow. And from that moment, that, that encounter with true mercy, um, I was able to just really dive into the whole semester and experience life fully alive with people who wanted the best for me, who desired for more for me. And at the time, 
there was a woman who knew that she would be joining focus staff and she was an RA with us in Rome and she mm. saw all of this happening. And quickly after I got back to campus, I was like, okay, that was crazy. I am different, but I have <laughs> no idea what to do now. Yeah. I have no idea where to go. And she recognized this. Her name is Courtney immediately invited me into her Bible study. And it was there that I encountered even more intentional uh, mentorship and friendship with these other women who wanted the same thing that I did. She recognized this, invited me into her life. And soon after we were walking in official discipleship together, mentorship meeting every single week to go over foundations of the church, to grow in authentic friendship. Um, she was challenging me to pray daily, to go to mass. And through that relationship, I was able my senior year <laughs> to say yes to focus. Wow. And it's through her many little yeses that mm. I am able to do the same for the women here in Detroit at Wayne State University and surrounding campuses. Um, so much of my story is so much owed to women like Jesse, wow. like Courtney, who are simply living their lives and mm. inviting others in. Mm. Wow. Wow. What an opening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, I'm just like so inspired. There's so right. many things there that I'm like, part of me is glad we just kind of got like got through that whole journey to where we are now, because Whoa. there are so many things that I'm excited to talk about. And I'm sure father Patrick feels the same. <laughs> so yes. um, what stand, one of the first things that stands out to me is just like, you know, the ways in which like, I'm like rejoicing that like God pursued you in the ways that he did mm. through those things. Like, Oh, this is the only college you can afford. So like it's not what you wanted but he's gonna say like I'm gonna make it that this is where you're gonna end up because I know mm -hmm. that one thing's gonna lead to the ne the next and you're gonna end up in Rome like I'm gonna let you have that longing of desire wow. desiring to be somewhere else so that you seek out this Rome trip like and I'm gonna fill your life with these witnesses who are just like by their they're they're revealing their own love for the Lord it's just gonna gently draw you into trying to experience experience something else there's so many things there I'm so excited oh, yeah. to talk about it um, Father Patrick, do you have a question or an insight? Otherwise I can ask a million questions right oh, now. <laughs> go for it, Emily. You're rolling. So I get, and I would love to um, hear from you now, especially, you know, both from your own college experience, which I, I, I had something similar where like, I, I went to college in my hometown. I grew up in South Bend and I went to Notre Dame and um, there's, there's pros and cons of that, right? It's just a unique experience. And so I also had this longing of like, got there. It wasn't exactly what I was expecting. So I'm going to fall into like, college ways, college habits. Mm. Although I was not as focused on my studies as you mentioned you were. Um, <laughs> but where I turned since like that thing that I was supposed to be doing, like was, it didn't meet my expectations was also to other people. And so I'm sure you see this, like you experience it in a way with the relationships you were seeking, even though they were obviously flawed um, at the time. Um, and then now how you see students seeking relationships in your work um, as a focus missionary on college campuses, um, where, like, how would you describe that that seeking of community specifically um, in when we're looking for the Lord in our lives. I always say that we don't know what we need or what we're looking for until we have it, particularly in relationship. And so a huge part of my job as a focused missionary is to walk with students and show them what authentic friendship can really look like. Wow. What happens when two people who are rooted in Christ and striving for the same things, the depths the vulnerability, the authenticity, what that can be. And like myself, they just didn't know. And you really don't until you have that one 
very intentional friend. Uh, the person who, out of love for you, wants to enter into relationship and bring you into more. And so I think it's, there is just this desire and you can see it when you're on college campuses. And even if they don't know that it's what they want, there is such loneliness that just exists on these campuses. Mm. Um, particularly, it's interesting just being in um, Detroit, both at Wayne State and University of Michigan Dearborn, where they are primarily commuter campuses. And so that's actually a very different experience than what I had because I lived on campus all four years. Mm -hmm. And so, so many of them come to class and that's it. And they leave. Mm -hmm. And school and university becomes this very one-centered thing. Mm. So that's why we go onto college campuses and encounter them where they're at and invite them into something more. It's been so exciting to see what's happening at Detroit Catholic Campus Ministry. And just in, like even in the last couple of weeks, we've had so many students come up to us and say, I did not know that friendships like this could be possible. Amen. Wow. There are people who, who will want the same things, who, who desire to grow with me. Um, it's so beautiful mm. to be a part of. It's incredible. Hey, Anna, would you say uh, in, these, in this, this pursuit of authentic friendship, you know, I go back to in Rome when you're thinking from what you shared about Rome about that study on like happiness. And uh, mm. remember, you know, Aristotle saying man's end is happiness. And then Aquinas, who took so much of Aristotle and uh, broke it down even, you know, even more so and saying that end of happiness will only be found in God. And uh, then connecting that with authentic friendship and the gift of, uh, there really is a sacramental value, um, not capital S, but lower S, to friendship, God's ability to, to work through friendship in our lives. And so the line of Christ in John 15, when he says, Jesus says, it blows my mind. I have called you friends. I have called you friends. Do you find that in the authentic friendship, the fellowship that that focused missionaries seek to help people experience that like Jesus and the friendship he offers, the model of friendship, does that, is that integral into the whole bond of authentic friendship that focus seeks to help people experience, which is truly a life changer. It sounds like. Mm, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That is the hope of course, right. That we are constantly modeling what Christ as the master has mm. laid out for us. And so Everything that Focus does is to share the hope and the joy of the gospel with college students. And through this, they are inspired and equipped for life. That is our goal, to launch them into lifelong Catholic mission. And so it doesn't just end once they graduate. And how is that accomplished? It is through discipleship. It is through uh, evangelization, but friendship. That is always mm. what is at the first and foremost, because we are made for relationship. We are made for relationship with our eternal father, with Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, having that experience of friendship in my own life and then wanting to bring that to these students, it is completely different from what we experience, I think. Well, there are three different kinds of friendship utility, pleasure, mm -hmm. and then virtuous, right? And we're aiming for the last one, <laughs> always. Um, and so 
in in utility that is in exchange of I give you this and you give me this and it's conditional on different aspects of what one can offer to the other then there's pleasure of course which is the things that we do are enjoyable we have the same interests perhaps we like the same music uh, etc and that is not bad in itself but virtuous friendship is when we can actually center ourselves onto what is genuinely good for the other, what is truly in their best interest so that they can have final happiness, which comes only from living a life with Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I have experienced friendships of all sorts in my life, and the virtuous ones are the ones that are fully giving. Um, and there's a real commitment because we know what we are both striving for. Yeah. I think one thing that stands out to me in how you're describing it, um, which, I mean, I, I've come to know this now, like as I've, I've, I've as mm -hmm. I've lived after an encounter with Jesus, but something that I was always very skeptical of, uh, when I, before that, especially from like people who would, who would be missionaries specifically, right. Is that like, oh, they don't care about me. They are trying to like, they have an agenda for my life. Mm -hmm. They're trying to convert me. They're trying to get something out of me. And, and so to hear you in both just like as a, as a person, as, as, as Anna, but also in your role through focus to say that you start it's first and foremost, authentic friendship, you're bringing Jesus to that friendship. You want those people, you want the people you're encountering on campuses to know and love Jesus through you, the way you found him through others, but that it is for meeting like them who they like seeing people for who they are, meeting them where they are, encountering them. Um, and it reminds me actually of, a, of from the letter, um, Archbishop for the Unleash the Gospel Pastoral letter, Archbishop talks about um, accompaniment and he gives the example of um, like the road to Emmaus that um, Jesus didn't immediately begin to instruct people. He first listened to them, allowed them to share their hopes and disappointments. He, he and then Archbishop says he, that Jesus, Archbishop says that Jesus won their trust. He met them where they were in their faith and then helped them go further by seeing them as like individuals first and then bringing the gospel to them like second, once that trust had been established. And I'm just so inspired because I didn't have any negative experiences, but I certainly had a skepticism of people in missionary roles that they weren't leading with friendship. And, and I love that I'm, we're getting to share your story where you're doubling down and almost offering that reassurance that when you are being missionary for Christ, you know, to lead with trust first. We always have to earn the right to be heard. And so in entering into these friendships, of course, like I want to see the soul in front of me with their own story, with their own interests. And it first and foremost is absolutely like you're saying, Emily, meeting them where they're at, you know, and I think that is where the love and care comes in of knowing, OK, what do they actually need right now? Because this student who just walked in the door, who has no context of anything relating to the Catholic Church, I can't just throw her into this like very in-depth study of maybe sexuality and the feminine genius. Maybe I could, and maybe really great. Right. <laughs> um, but perhaps she needs me first to walk with her through the basics of the mass, or maybe she just needs me to sit down and allow questions to be asked. I actually, the other day, had a beautiful opportunity to meet with a student in at one of our campuses. She and I had never met before. She had met the seminarians and Father Steve Polis on campus and got contact information. And so my first inclination was, okay, I want to get to know her first before I try to fill 
try to figure out like what she needs in order to be brought into DCCM. I just want to know her first. And so we sat down over a cup of coffee and we started talking about arts and photography and all these things that I wouldn't have known if I hadn't taken that intentional time with her. And that is what my missionary did for me. And so really there is just a continuation of intentional walking, intentionally seeking out who people are at their core before trying to bring them into something deeper because we have to earn that trust. It's not something that we necessarily just get to have right away. Oh, Anna, this is good stuff. <laughs> See, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel a healthy stretching happening. I mean, I love authentic friendship in Christ. And, uh, and also, you know, it's, it seems like a, a beautiful balance. You bring tremendous grace to this podcast. Like, it, you mm. know, we're called to be joyful missionary disciples and, uh, one of the things I love to do is just, I just go out in my neighborhood and evangelize here in Detroit or go to the grocery mm. store with a friend and just evangelize out there. And that's a different sort of, um, you just, you know, at the grocery store, we just put up a sign that says prayer station, free crosses. And we just go fishing. And, uh, mm. but, but then the also like every day, I mean, I remember Archbishop Burns saying before, like the oldest form of evangelization is friendship. Mm. And so there's nothing wrong with, Drop your nets, carry crosses in your pockets, drop your nets, invite people. Anything you need prayer for when you when you're going through the, your day-to-day public life, may as well do it with an evangelistic heart and let the spirit mm-hmm. work. And yet, yet, yet I think focus is on something so we know they are so powerful. Um, that through friendship, that's a beautiful form of evangelization. I think the invitation that I'm experiencing in my heart from the Lord and our listeners too, I pray, is who's the Lord like being open to like who does the Lord invite us to seek to? to get to know and, and offer that gift of friendship. So Anna, am I giving it back to you? Right. Is that, I mean, like you guys are like specific, like we're looking to befriend and invite to walk with people and then offer the Lord to them. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. Father Patrick, like we also go out and bare hand and evangelize on campus. And yeah. we do these different opportunities to go serve our brothers and sisters on the streets. And all of these things are so integral and actually so important for students to see uh, and to see us doing, because of course we need to lead by example. Um, But there also is this special genuine privilege that we have where we get to walk with students through the day in and day out of their Mm -hmm. lives and really like, yes, walk with them as Christ walked with his disciples. And that is, yeah, that is always just such a beautiful thing to think about. Christ lived ate, slept, traveled, camped, like all these beautiful things with his disciples. And we are called to do the same for the people in our lives. And to really, um, it always goes back to something that I reflect on often is 1 Thessalonians 2.8. And Mm -hmm. this is, I think, at the heart of what focus missionaries, how we are called to live our lives in this way, but it's with such affection for you, we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very selves as well. So dearly beloved, had you become to us. Mm-hmm. And that just, I think, really does wrap up what it means to serve in this particular way, because of course, I am called to share with them the gospel of God, but I am called to share of myself 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I love just the reality of what that looks like. I mean, wow. I have some beautiful, like just wonderful women in my Bible study that I get to abide with and share life with. And whether that's going to, you know, their concerts or whether that's attending an event that they put on that they're really passionate about, whether that's inviting them into my life, into the things that I love, arts, you know, photography, mm-hmm. music, all these things. Uh, the other day I had a great opportunity to take three women to the symphony for the first time Ah. and it was just so fun to be able to to experience that with them to talk over a meal to just really yeah share in good holy friendships and so you're absolutely right father patrick like that is what we are called to do we are called to encounter them in friendship continually build that relationship and call them higher into more and equip them to do the same for other students as well hey before i pitch it to emily for a question uh that I was just reading, I kidding, the other day, First Thessalonians chapter two, mm. and uh, the line right in front of it, um, of verse seven was, we were gentle among you as mm. a nursing mother cares for her children. And mm. it opens up to me, the, like the nurturing aspect of a friendship, that authentic friendship, that there's something that it's not just utilitarian or just for pleasure, um, but, but there is something that God is going to work in, in my life through my brother and sister friends in Christ, but also that like the quality of like what the whole sacramental value of friendship that this, there's this love that can be poured into someone and how God has given us the, the gift of a good meal and a symphony to enjoy together. And yet it's mm-hmm. all the better because of the love that was shared and, and uh, experienced in communion with each other, which is a real participation in, in uh, communion with God together as the body of Christ. It's, powerful stuff Anna so it's not wasting our time to just invest in a friend and take them to a movie go to get something to eat and just like that like I love the the layers of evangelization that are just being opened up in this and that in my heart and and for all of us uh, in letting our friendships and building friendships that are I think evangelistic is the right word but it's also it doesn't have to look like uh, take them street evangelizing but you don't have to do that all the time so but Mm -hmm. thank you Anna what are you thinking Emily yeah um, I first, I first want to pause, uh, and say one of the things that stands out in some of the things you've shared, Anna, um, that I also can just like relate to so hard. It's like the sort of like the, for me, it was a very surprising joy, the gift of female friendship in church community. Uh, I mean, I, I also appreciate my guy friends from the church, of course, or our couple friends, you know, that Drew and I, my husband and I have as well. Um, but something I didn't expect, um, was yeah. I have, a, I had a Bible study at home when I, uh, in South Bend, when I was having my conversion, I have a new Bible study here in Detroit that I'm so grateful for. And Amazing. it is so clear to me that God gave me both of those groups of women as a gift. Um, mm. and I'm so, so grateful for that. I didn't expect that particular kind of community and friendship with other Catholic women as, as so essential to my life as a joyful missionary disciple. Um, but it definitely has been, um, and I'm really grateful um, for that. And, and it sounds like you've also had just the experience of, I mean, again, it's not saying anything negative about other friendships as well, but there is something really wonderful about the gift of, um, female friends. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I want to get a little lenty here and talk about confession because you had a really incredible confession experience. Um, I, 
Uh, and I would love to dig into that a little bit more because this is such an, uh, Lent is, um, as we've heard, um, we actually did a great Instagram live last Lent with Father Matt Hood about going to confession during Lent oh, specifically. And I'd love to dig into that a little bit, just about your experience. So um, something that I've realized over the years is that anytime you go to confession, like you're just getting the gift of grace to feel like you can go <laughs> or like you were saying, like you're pacing outside saying like, Hey, this is either going to go well, or it's not, I'm either going to get the grace to walk in there and walk out with a fresh soul, or like, I'm going to, I'm going to still be in need of it basically. Mm. Um, and so, uh, talk to me a little bit more about that experience and what, what it was like for you to go back, especially after 10 years, which we know, you know, I mean, it's common that people take a long time to go. I'd love to dig more into that experience. It was such a pivotal moment in my life. And that, that seems to be the case, of course, for many people, you know, they fall away from the church for a long time. And what is the first thing they do? They go back to confession. And it's because we recognize that even when we don't know that there is a reconciling of us with the good father. And yeah, I, I remember when I was at yeah, I was sitting in that dinner talking to that seminary and I just knew it was a very clear, a very clear sign from the Holy Spirit of just, you have to go, you need to go. And there was so much weight and heaviness and yeah, just all of these sins that I had never spoken aloud never even dared to think about, um, that really were just holding so much resistance in my heart towards the Lord. And not letting him see me in the fullness of who I was. And so going to that encounter and being able to lay those things down, it really did feel, I have such a love and affection for the woman at the well. Um, that is like one of the most, yeah, just amazing stories to wow. me and has really speaks to my heart. And I very much felt like that woman in that story of laying down all these things, of having Christ encounter me so so gently um, with such a tenderness, but also just the reality and firmness of this is what has happened, daughter, and this is what I want for you instead. And so I went into that confessional, <laughs> a mix of emotions and anxieties and all these things. And, and at the end of it felt for the first time too, which is incredible, just this real spiritual fatherhood from this man who was looking at me with such tenderness, such mercy, the person of Christ right in front of me. And I just felt at home, you know, the one who is lost is now found. And that is how I felt. It felt like I was coming home. Like I was the prodigal son returning to their father's embrace. And yes, we are, oh man, we have that beautiful opportunity to do that anytime. <laughs> anytime, literally anytime. It's amazing. <laughs> Particularly in the season of Lent. Yeah. I want to just encourage everybody to embrace this beautiful sacrament that we have that really just, yeah, it only brings us closer to the good father and is radically, yeah, just available for us. And I have found too, after time, you know, what was crazy was after that point and throughout my college career, and even as a missionary, there's a genuine desire for me to do it now. <laughs> there is, that is an increased grace when we allow ourselves to go to confession, when we humble ourselves and realize that he's calling us to more, there's a genuine desire in me now to do it more consistently, more often, and particularly in this season of Lent, when we have kind of these increased graces to be able to, to fast, to, to um, yes, give of ourselves, to have, to give even more in prayer, 
yeah, why not continually go to confession to lay out all of those things um, and truly enter into, into this beautiful time in our church? Anna, if somebody said to you, um, but I'm, I'm just scared of going to confession and people mm. are like, they say, you know, I just, I'm just scared to go. Like, I, you know, uh, what would you say? Mm, that's a great question. Mm. Yeah. And that's certainly been a question and a statement that, um, has occurred. I remember when I was a student missionary as well, I had, I had a, a girl in my Bible study that expressed to me that she was very afraid to go to confession that she hadn't in a really long time. And I asked her, can I go with you? Wow. And, and she said, yeah. So we went to confession together. I went before her to show her like, it, it will be well, it is good. And I actually had the privilege, this was really wild, but to, sit in the confessional with her and like really abide with her in that. Um, I wasn't there for the actual confession, but just the leading up point and then being able to make sure she was comfortable enough and left. But even in that of just being able to totally walk with somebody in that process, um, that is, yeah, of course, something that we're called to. If somebody is afraid, I would say to them, like, <laughs> understandable. <laughs> I get it. I've been there. Totally. I still get nervous sometimes after all this yeah. time. Um, but the Lord wants to encounter us in our brokenness, in our sins. He wants to see us for the fullness of who we are. And of course, he is not going to take those things from us, but wants us to freely give them to him in surrender and to lay all of the things that are keeping us away from him down at his feet. And so it comes from this desire of a loving, good father who wants to be in union with their daughter, with, with their son. And so to be not afraid for the one who is waiting for you there has known you since the beginning of time, Amen. who like sees you with mercy, with tenderness, with mm -hmm. such deep affection that he sent his only son to die for you and you alone. That is what I would say. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. It's so good. It's so good. Go ahead. Uh, I, uh, I think that you're, what you've said, one, it just reveals again, your, your great gift to be able to walk with people that in that moment, your response was, can I go with you? Not even like, <laughs> let me tell you about it, but like, let me go with you and walk with you physically, like up to the moment, as far as I can, like mm -hmm. to be with you there. That's just so beautiful. I've never even thought about it like that way. I always talk about, you know, my own experience too. And, um, what a great reminder that you can literally like offer to go and be with people. Um, I think that one of the things that surprises me always about confession is like, yeah, even with all the anxiety, no matter how often you're going, sometimes there's just anxiety because you like, it's, it's, you have to repent. You have to give something up. You have to let go of your sins and do it authentically to make a good confession. And then, but every time it's always surprising to me, like how easy it is there, mm -hmm. how, how over easily flowing and overflowing is mm -hmm. God's mercy, right. That, that you just go in and and you receive it and, and there, and, you know, especially in a good confession, like, yeah, it's just, God's never holding it back from yeah. you ever. He's never going to hold his mercy back yeah. from you. And, mm -hmm. um, that reassurance for me, every time, every time I want to go, I want to go more. And the, the times where I, 
I, I try and like, and really like beg for the grace to go is when I start to be scared of it. As soon as I start Mm. to be scared of it, I'm like, God, help me go, help me go back because I'm, that's when I know I need it the most. So Mm. thank you so much for helping us have that conversation. This very, I think it was such an important, a beautiful part of your story, um, that started with that seminarian, seeing that good in Mm. you, in your heart, that true goodness in your heart. And then that awareness and his almost revealing of the father's belief in you, leading you to want to go and like make it true, make it reality Mm. by going to confession. Just so inspired by all of that. Um, we, uh, are so lucky to hear this story. We like to ask people, um, on the podcast to look forward a little bit. We've been spending the past many minutes, like looking back on, you know, your journey as a joint missionary disciple. And we'd like to look forward, um, kind of to conclude. And I know that you've been, you've been serving as a focused missionary and may not even know like what the next step is. Um, but I would, I'd love to just ask you, um, what is your dream? What is God? And, and that doesn't have to be like a, a, it doesn't have to be a big thing, but really what is God putting on your heart right now that you are feeling led to how, or how do when you think about looking at your life as a joint missionary disciple, how would in your own just authentic words, describe what you're feeling called to right now, your dream. My dream is to love and serve the Lord in any capacity so that at the end of my life, he can look at me and say, good and faithful servants with whom I am well pleased. That is the dream. <laughs> the practicals of what that looks like. Um, yeah, I, I want the people that I encounter to feel seen, known, and loved. That is always, always the goal, always the desire. Um, and yeah, whether that is with a continuation of focus or something else, in the diocese, perhaps even, um, I want to always be somebody who people feel the security and safety to be authentically themselves um, and somebody that will lead them closer to Christ. Mm. And I think within being here in Detroit with having a front row seat to basically coming uh, into this arena of college campus ministry as a first year. So it was myself and my three other teammates. There was never a focus team here before. We were the first expansion team and really getting to see everything being built from the ground up has been such a privilege and just a truly humbling experience of seeing all of the beautiful seeds that the Lord wanted to sow seeing them bloom now in this second year on mission has been so edifying, Mm -hmm. um, just so amazing. And so the dream is to, yeah, be able to contribute in that in whatever way. And so I'm so excited by what's happening with Detroit Catholic Campus Ministry, with Father Matt Hood, with our (laughs) campus minister, the focus team. Um, And so the dream is to continue to invest in this diocese to continue mm-hmm. to serve uh i love detroit all right <laughs> i everyone back home is like so uh, you moved to detroit huh and i'm like yes mm-hmm. and i love it <laughs> i think it's a wonderful diocese and so many people say this but it's so true there's such momentum happening here there's just there's a real sense and particularly as i sit in this student center mm-hmm. i just dream and imagine of what it could be 10 years mm-hmm. down the line and what could happen within that. And it's so exciting, it's so great. But I think there's also, yeah, another facet to my dream is just being able to, beauty is a transcendental that I just Mm -hmm. feeds my heart a lot. And so, yeah, I just want to bring like authentic beauty 
to people. I want it to be a part of encountering the Lord because it's so available here in Detroit. Um, and being able to, it is so available, which surprises people, but gosh, the city of Detroit has so much to offer, whether it's from our churches or, you know, Mm. even just the, the buildings downtown to the nature to yeah, all of the artists. The music. That, yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It's so, yeah. I, I say Detroit is beautiful. People are kind of like, what? I'm like, no, you just have to look for it. <laughs> um, yeah. So that is a long way of saying, like, yes, the ultimate dream, of course, is to love and serve the Lord, to bring beauty into whatever space, and to encounter people here in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Wow. Anna, it's been such a, such a joy to have you on the podcast today. And when you share your dream, I just, I get this joyful sense of uh, like you and your team coming into Detroit in, in 2020 and effectively um, like we are here, like your, you know, your mission statement at the time, I don't know, I don't want to define it for you, but like really, but it boils down to, we are here to bring Jesus to people, to help people encounter Jesus, to build authentic friendships where people can bloom in their relationship with Jesus. And I don't have the chapter verse, but the book of wisdom uh, refers to God. The author refers to God as a lover of souls, a lover of mm-hmm. souls. And just hearing your testimony today, it's so clear you're a lover of souls. And uh, on this beautiful mission, I think for those listening out there, it's so good to just hear, uh, even though you might not be serving on a focused missionary team, it's okay to, to begin to say, I am here to bring people Jesus. I am here to, like, I exist to share Jesus on the face of the earth. Like my mission here is to share Jesus. And in my state in life, if you're married, you live out your vocation well and raise your children well and carry out the gifts and talents in your career that God's led you to. But like, it's been a refreshing outpouring, Anna, of the truth of like the, the primary mission of a disciple, joyful missionary disciples. We're here to serve Jesus. And he's going to give us everything we need to do that. But a key piece is to be a great lover of souls. And you clearly are, Anna. And as we close out this episode, I wonder if you wouldn't mind praying that God, he takes five loaves and two fish. And uh, would you share your lunch with us? That you would ask God that, God, the love you've put in me and my team for souls and uh, day-to-day evangelization through authentic friendship, that you'd share it to everybody out there. Because I think everybody who's listening, we get stirred. Like, I want to do this more. I want to be more missionary. I want to... um, yeah, be a greater lover of souls. So thank you for letting me have a closing soliloquy, Emily. I'm going to pitch it over to it was Anna. Awesome. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, I'm going to pitch it over to Anna to pray us out however the Holy Spirit leads you. Go, Anna. Love it. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and our minds. Eternal Father, I thank you for the gift of this time to be able to share about the ways that you have pursued my heart, the ways that you pursue all of our hearts through the little things, through the big things, and how we are called to do the same for all those around us, to walk with them, to love them, to serve them. We call to mind Christ Jesus' prayer to you, As he prays, Father, they are your gift to me. Mm. Let that be our disposition as we encounter all the souls in our lives, particularly those that you're calling us to even deeper give of ourselves in friendship. We thank you for all of the people that you have entrusted to us. 
for they are gifts, they are souls with an eternal destination. I just ask for an increase of love, of a deep affection for all those around us. And I pray in a special way for the new evangelization here in Detroit, particularly the students that we have met, that we have grown in friendship with, and all those we have yet to encounter. I pray for their souls, for their openness and willingness to let you encounter them first. And we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Woo! Anna, thank you so much for your time. We are so grateful. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to another episode of Open Door Policy, where we hear stories of different joyful missionary disciples in Southeast Michigan and how they encounter, grow, and witness in their love for Christ. You can find more episodes at unleashthegospel.org forward slash podcast or on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music. See you next time.